There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. And yes, in case you were wondering, I am still on paternity leave. I hope you've been enjoying the episodes we put out over the summer, revisiting my interviews with some of this year's Emmy nominees, and we will have even more of those coming your way over the next several weeks. But this week, I want to do something a little different and listen back to a conversation I had in early 2020 with one of the most innovative and hilarious stand-up comedians of all time, Maria Bamford. That's because today, Tuesday, September 5th, marks the release of Maria's excellent new book, Sure, I'll Join Your Cult, a memoir of mental illness and the quest to belong anywhere. I just finished reading an advanced copy, and I can tell you that if you are also a fan of her comedy, it really is everything you want it to be. So anyway, I recorded this episode with Maria around the release of her 2020 special, Weakness is the Brand. We talked a bunch about that special and covered lots of other highlights from her career, including her experience making Lady Dynamite for Netflix, the shame she feels now about working with Louis C.K., and so much more. We began by discussing her very unique process for putting together new material. This is a really special one, so please enjoy me with the great Maria Bamford. I guess just to start, um, can you talk kind of about that process of, of working out material in all these different places and then and then kind of molding it into one one big thing for the special? Oh, yeah. What I do, or and I don't know what other comics do, but just I just start at zero all, all mm-hmm. over again. And then the past few years, I've been, um, I'll get some time at, there's a black box theater in Hollywood at Vermont and and Hollywood Boulevard, mm-hmm. uh, best parking in Los Angeles, right between John's Supermarket and mm-hmm. Fayez Paredes. <laughs> and um, I'll do an hour there and just work on it. You know, the new, newer material over and 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 over again. And then, uh, you know, hopefully it becomes something, or at least I fill an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've talked about this before, but uh, you like to run your, your material one-on-one with people sometimes yes. before shows. So yeah. everyone might listening might not know about that. Can you kind of explain what, that, what well, that process is like? If you've heard of Twitter, it's so such a loving, <laughs> sweet, gentle place. You put on your Twitter feed, hey... At this time, in this zip code, could anyone meet me for coffee? I'll I'll buy. I'll buy. That's important mm-hmm. to say that. Yeah. Everything's on me. Sky's the limit. <laughs> and then people tweet back and go, uh, I'm available in that odd part of St. Louis, Missouri at 3 p.m. And then you connect with them via the Twitter mail. And uh, then you get to meet a nice person in the middle of nowhere. And not nowhere. St. Louis is (laughs) an important city. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it's it's just delightful. I've I've done it about, I want to say, at least 30 times. And people have 
everyone's been very, very pleasant. Of I did a lot of internet dating mm-hmm. um, <laughs> back <laughs> back in the day, yeah. and I think I went on probably like seventy five internet dates over the course of ten years. So it, it didn't seem that scary yeah, to me. At similar all. to that. Yeah, it's just you know, it, for the most part, you're going to meet very pleasant people who are just trying to uh, have a nice time, and of course, no, uh, uh, no creepy romantic yeah. intentions with these people, which uh, really takes the edge off. <laughs> have there been any sort of odd uh, situations that have arisen from it, or is it pretty... Not, uh... <laughs> the only thing, I, I think I had one where I, I just, I yelped where a coffee was, mm-hmm. and so I had this poor guy meet me. I thought it was a coffee shop. It was an industrial coffee packaging <laughs> company in the midi- middle of a an office park, and then, because I had taken a Mm-hmm. there from the Hampton Inn, uh, he had to drive me <laughs> to a nearby <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> went to Dunkin' Donuts, and then they were they were cleaning so much mm-hmm. in the Dunkin' Donuts that we had to sit in the the hundred degree parking lot. But it's that kind of added value, mm-hmm. authenticity. Is that what everyone's <laughs> looking for? <laughs> something real. Yeah. What? Well, why? Why did you decide that this was something that you that you wanted to do, and what did you kind of get out of it? I. Oh my God, it is all uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a very selfish drive in that I have a difficult time getting myself to rehearse mm-hmm. my material and uh, something I didn't use to when I was younger because I I had uh, the drive within, I think it's called ambition, if I can remember that word correctly. And so now I have to get a witness. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the witness is very powerful because, uh, uh, you know, you just <clears throat> to sit and watch me go through the whole thing and... Uh, so no, no, I am definitely the winner in this situation. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I hope people are having a good time. <laughs> I've offered now, realizing how much I'm getting out of it, to help out with anything. If somebody can bring mm. something that's doable within a couple of hours. Like what's an example uh, of like that? Like I can clean your glasses. I can make a call to <laughs> AT&T. Sit Ooh, on, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, sit on the phone for at least the first 20 minutes yeah. with Sean in Punjab. Punjabi? Or, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and then I did help women fill out Christmas cards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am now, comedy is no longer enough, I think. Yeah, I think you have to is. give back even more. Oh, oh, come on. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I'd like to think that the arts are, are really uh, affecting uh, grassroots change, change at a grassroots level, but mm-hmm. I'm a little worried. So let me help you uh, go through your receipts. <laughs> And people have taken you up on this. Yes, stuff. Yeah. yes, yes. And I, uh, yeah. So again, I feel less useless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big themes of the special, in some ways, is this idea of giving back or or sort of wanting to do something and not always knowing what to do. And <laughs> and it comes into the stuff with your your mom and religion and <laughs> how you know she's a, a Christian and you're not, and who's sort of the better person and and kind of all that kind of stuff. So. Um, <laughs> You know, but it does seem like something that you struggle with or at least think about a lot is how to be a good person. Do you ever feel like you just want to know that you're you're a pretty good person? Like that you're just, you're good as someone everyone considers to be pretty good. You know, you know, maybe you're not Santa, but you're not the Golden State serial killer. Like you're... Or maybe you're just better than one person. And I always think it's got to be somebody who's following a religion, who's deeply religious. So then you can go mano a mano and examples from their own philosophy so you could see who's ahead, like who specifically is winning. Uh, 
So I called my mom. I said, Mom, you're a Christian. Uh, <laughs> would you be willing to go with me three rounds in your own religion to see which one of us is the better person? <laughs> and she said, what? I mean, I, I do have a, a strain of OCD where I, that is my, um, that can be kind of my obsession is like getting into the weeds about what the the right thing is to do. Uh, so most of it, I, I think, is is uh, something that just kind of passes the time in my brain mm -hmm. of like, you know, I'm it's like, well, the, the thing to do really would be <laughs> to um, volunteer uh, as much as you can. Um, and, uh, you know, not only that, but, uh, you know, give more of your income to to charities. And uh, we do give 11% of the of our income to uh, charities or at least the well, nonprofits and stuff like that. And then um, so we can be 1% over the Christians. <laughs> but then my bookkeeper turns out as a Christian. Okay. And I was like, and I said, this is what I'm trying to do. And she said, well, um, Christians actually give 10% of the gross. Oh. And I was like, no, no, no. Anyways, I looked it up. <laughs> uh, Dave Ramsey, who's that guy? He's a Christian guy. He yeah. did it. No, no, he's not. Anyways, no one's doing that, yeah. I, Mindy. I don't know if she's <laughs> correct. Um, but but I know there is a Christian bank, and that is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> what did you find out about the Christian bank? Oh, it's online. Uh, if you want to have your values-centered credit card, what? <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to be spending 22% in interest, <laughs> I want to make sure it's going to the right executives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so strange. So you, in that in that bit about your, your mom, the kind of, I don't want to spoil the punchline, but yeah. you, you do talk about how you've been uh, imitating her on stage for, for 30, quite a long time now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how that factors into the whole thing. What um, how has that kind of evolved over that time from from her perspective of, of you uh, portraying her on stage? Was she always OK with it or not OK with it? Or she, how? She's been OK with it. I mean, she is like a very. Yeah. Has less things roll off. Or I think that is a trait of mothers in general where mm -hmm. you just you've heard years of your kids going that's stupid mom <laughs> um, um, uh, you know and so yeah. finally you're just like uh, yeah at least that's that's what I think is going mm -hmm. on because she's just like oh that's great honey yeah and uh, <laughs> she she must be very used to it now I guess. yeah I've got my own life yeah and uh, so she yeah um, uh, but but other, you know, I, I used to do an impersonation of my sister, but she, she really felt hurt by that, mm. you know, and said, you know, I don't want you to do that anymore. So I'm uh, trying desperately not to do yeah. when it's, uh, it's, it's hard because she's very funny. Yeah. And, um, you ever accidentally slip into it on stage? Um, and, uh, yeah. um, <laughs> yes, yes, I have. And then hopefully uh, none of that's recorded. And, yeah. um, but, um, yeah, I, and, that is weird. After doing it for a long time, I, I think I get like, oh, what? This I'm working on a new hour now, mm -hmm. and um, you know what? What? What to talk about next? Um, yeah. Do you find that with your job? Like you, what, what? Yeah, there's always a what's what's next. How to get? Got to come up with the new ideas. <laughs> yeah, the new new idea, and then go. Am I just doing this because it's new, or mm -hmm. is it, or is this really necessary? Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I tried to tell myself the only reason it's necessary is because I'm alive and mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, you're a little flower and 
the sun's out and you, you just got to bloom, mm-hmm. you know, uh, unless, of course, it's not time yet. But, um, yeah, I think that's uh, sometimes I, I feel a little bit uh, – I think I get into the ethical uh, um, anxiety about – taking space up in the world mm-hmm. that I'm almost 50 years old. I'm a, a very well off uh, as far as I could tell from the internet calculators of what rich <laughs> is doing well. Uh, white lady, am I really necessary? You know, mm-hmm. in terms of being uh, a performer and stuff, like there's just so many more, um, they just voices that haven't been heard and they're yeah. so interesting. And so, and, uh, and so, that that has definitely become an issue of like, oh, I don't even I don't even know if I want to I want to hear what I have to say. Yeah. Coming up, Maria talks about the earliest days of her career, including how she ended up being featured in my all-time favorite documentary about stand-up comedy, alongside a very young Patton Oswalt and Zach Galifianakis. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to our episodes with other iconic stand-up comedians like Sarah Silverman, Jim Gaffigan, Tignataro, and others, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to Maria Bamford. I'd love to kind of talk about, um, you know, where, where, how this all started for you um, going, because I know you started doing comedy incredibly young, um, right, in, oh, in, in Minnesota? Yeah, uh, 19, Nine, so that's pretty young. Dirty young. Yeah. So when you, when you were starting, I mean, what, how did you kind of decide that that was, that was going to be what you, what you wanted to do? And when you started, did you think this was going to be your, your whole life and career? It just seemed like a great idea for whatever reason. And uh, I just went by myself. And it seemed like in high school, you know, when you did speeches and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I just thought, oh, it seems like that. And then you just do whatever you mm-hmm. want. And um, and they have sort of, which they still have, but, a, a, you know, art, art, you know, artsy scene. So I did, you know, women's uh, with two Y's and an M mm-hmm. and a yeah. capital I <laughs> and a Z um, nights and then did... Uh, yeah, performance art venues and that 
type of thing. And I did a one person show because that meant more mm-hmm. time. And I didn't I didn't do comedy clubs as as much. There was a club in town, but I I I just didn't feel like uh, that was totally for mm-hmm. me. Uh, and uh, but it wasn't. I, I think I read the artist way um, about th- three years into doing what I was whatever I was doing. I was calling it stand up. That and then I was like, oh, that's what I or I am or I would like to call myself as a comedian. Mm-hmm. So I think that helped me realize that oh, that this is the job that I would I would like. Uh, but I think, at least for me, there's always these, uh, I always want to be open-minded to doubt. The way sometimes I read society is like, oh, you've got to, you got to stay with one thing. And, um, and, uh, and also, um, and one of the thing is you've got to be so good at it. Like, mm-hmm. or, in always, order to, or always getting better. Or, always getting better. Yeah. And it's like, well, that isn't tenable. Yeah. As <laughs> we go towards years, yeah. death. Yeah. Um, so mm, I've, if I'm going to still participate, I got to be okay with uh, losing my edge. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, if I ever had one. Uh, so I think so. I yeah. Think so. <laughs> um, so when you, was there a moment when you, when you moved to, did you move out to LA first from uh, Minnesota? Moved uh, to LA. For, I was there in Minneapolis for three years, and then I moved to LA uh, in 1994. I mm-hmm. right after the earthquake, and then really had a hard time the first two years. Was yeah. Just really kind of fell into a hole of not. I just didn't know how to have a, a job or hold, keep a job. And uh, you kind of had day jobs and then doing comedy at night. Or? Yeah, I just would. I did um, food service jobs, which is awesome if you're good at it. But Los Angeles <laughs> yeah. is a place where there's a high standard. Of, mm-hmm. of service as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of actors trying to be waiters during the day. <laughs> yeah, and, and some people really have a gift mm-hmm. at doing it. And um, uh, yeah, so for any number of reasons. So finally, I got some outside help of people saying, you know, I, I went to a support group and um, for money-related stuff. In mm-hmm. it could be Debtors Anonymous. I can't say <laughs> if it is because yeah. it's supposed to be a secret fight yeah. club. But I went uh, someplace and they, you know, just got a lot of community support of like, oh, what else can you do? Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you can do? Yeah. Okay. Oh my God, you can type. Okay, why don't you temp? So then I started temping, and that was a lifesaver. I worked for ten years doing office work uh, during the day while doing stand up and you know whatever else at night, and and that was just worked out very well mm-hmm. uh, in terms of not only yeah just stability, mm-hmm. <laughs> just having food and shelter is yeah. isn't overrated. It mm-hmm. is the most important thing. Um, so I think that the first time that I kind of became aware of you as a comedian mm-hmm. was in the, the Comedians of Comedy documentary, mm-hmm. which came out uh, 15 oh, yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah. 2005. And I actually, I hadn't seen it since it came out, so I just rewatched it. Oh, hilarious. It's so good. And I, I know it was produced by Netflix, but I don't think it's on Netflix anymore. So I kind of found a, a bootleg version on YouTube. So, oh, hilarious. Okay. So people should should seek that out if they haven't oh, seen it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's you and Patton Oswalt and Brian Posehn and Zach Galifianakis nice. going on tour, kind of up and down the the West Coast. Yes, yes. And it's it's just it's a really great. It really captures a, a moment in comedy, I think. And you guys were kind of doing something different, where you weren't doing comedy clubs. You were booking uh, rock kind of indie rock venues and performing for maybe an, an audience that wouldn't go to a comedy club and doing really kind of more alternative stuff. And it's the beginning of that part of that alternative scene. So how did when you think about sort of that 
time in, in your life, what kind of comes to mind? And what was that experience like of, of being with those guys on the road and, and all, all that all that stuff? Well, it was really, it was only a week worth mm-hmm. of time. And it was, I was just grateful to have a job. And it was all, uh, I believe, bankrolled by, by Netflix as well as Patton. Patton mm-hmm. was the real um, f- f- figurehead and uh, yeah. producer behind it. And this and, is back when Netflix was still sending uh, DVDs, yeah, DVDs in the mail. Yes, yeah. in the mail. And um, he... So I am forever grateful to Patton that he wanted because that that was it was so it was really fun and then also it was um yeah it, it was I think something that helped me in my career because I I wasn't well known at all and I mean not that I it's variable in how I but um <laughs> but it was great and I had. At the time, I think I had a few things, times when I've gone to comedy clubs and I had gotten sent home because I just, there's a certain, before the internet, Mm -hmm. you couldn't, you wouldn't know what you're coming to see. Mm -hmm. And that is where uh, heckling and real stinging disappointments can happen. (laughs) Sent home in the sense that you got on and Yeah, they're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Either I'm not ready or I'm not. Mm -hmm. I You weren't the right fit. Not the right fit. I was relieved, frankly. So, so the rock venues and then being with Pat and before I'd go up, he would make a, you know, very lovely opening of like, this woman is like, you're saying, (laughs) she's my friend. And like, it was very, yeah. Setting you up for success. Setting you up for success, which is, is so important and a very kind thing to do because he, he didn't have to do that. You know, he Mm -hmm. was, it was very kind. I have this therapist. I prefer to call her therapist. And, um, (laughs) because I don't take it seriously. And um, she told me uh, this part. I have a lot of anxiety, right? And so uh, she told me it's important to like just. I should try to sing my anxieties aloud because uh, that kind of takes the power away from them. Takes the power away. And uh, so I've come up with a, a new tune, and it's set to uh, the theme from The Bodyguard, starring uh, Whitney Houston. Um, hmm. Okay. If I keep my ice cube trays clean, then God can't kill me. And if I clench my fists at odd intervals, then the darkness within me can't take over my hands and force me to do something I don't want to do that's inappropriately sexual or violent. You guys were all pretty early in your career. You know, I think in the movie... uh... Zach Galifianakis is talking about how he hasn't, he's maybe been in like one movie and it yes. wasn't very good. And, <laughs> and, you know, now he's like this huge, massive, s- massive movie star. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think uh, Brian Posehn is the one who's getting uh, flocked by fans yes. on the on the road, which is also kind of funny. He was on uh, Just Shoot Me. Just Shoot Me, yep, yeah, yep, yep. That, and um, yeah, yeah, he was so tall. So nobody like knows who Zach can. is, <laughs> <Yeah>. but they're... <laughs> um, I know, it is, oh gosh, it is so interesting how things change and and um and and how things stay the same because i think i those those kind of shows now are still are a total regular thing Mm -hmm. i know so many comics and the festival circuit is huge now and it's just you never have to perform in a comedy club if you if you don't want to well the thing is i love comedy clubs Mm -hmm. love 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 them i wish they would become more accessible to everybody Buddy, because mm-hmm. they are still, I think they're leaving money on the table. Like, I just think yeah. that's why these festivals are doing mm-hmm. well, or is because they're inclusive of, because it's bizarre how mm-hmm. you'll go to a comedy club. I think I went to one 
I won't name names, but Mm -hmm. you go to many and maybe there'll be a picture of a famous comedian on the wall who's never been there, like (laughs) Margaret Cho or like uh, Lucille Ball or something. But that that's it. Maybe another They'll Sometimes I'll I'll be the one. There'll be maybe two or three comics a year who are headlining who are women Mm. or, um, you know, and then people, uh, women of color. Yeah, yeah, like in the point five percent. It is bizarre, bizarre. And yeah, and you're saying they're leaving money on the table. It's like they could be getting more people to come into their club, but they they're sort of using this old model or old way of thinking. Yeah, I don't understand it. And I I don't have a club, so I I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm So it would be very interesting. Like I I go because I know when I. I didn't do well on weekends because, you know, when you do a weekend thing as a, a comic, it's more likely that a bunch of people will come who will go, it's just, it's somebody who kind of looks like me on the screen. Maybe I'll go in. I'll stop <laughs> in. I was going to return something at Bed Bath & Beyond, but I think I'm just going to wander in this club. <laughs> so that makes it a much more of a, a craftsmanship job of mm-hmm. like, you've got to be likable and amenable to everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and that is not something I'm very, I'm not gifted at. I'm not good mm-hmm. at it. So... I would do weekday shows, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and just do a door deal so that I could just hopefully break even. But if I could get a crowd on those days that normally the club doesn't have a huge crowd, then that's wonderful. And I, th- I wonder why they, do- why they don't do that. But I don't know. I don't know what it's like to owning a club, I'm sure, is a huge thing and uh, lots of money involved. So I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm very curious. I, yeah. I love I love to have curiosity about things I know nothing about, which I guess is what curiosity is all about. It's it's odd. It's yeah. odd. But but I just have, and I also have heard so many stories by just hearsay through other female comics where it's like how difficult it is to get an opener or middle mm-hmm. act, and yeah. and that the income hasn't gone up for openers and middles since. 25 years ago <laughs> yeah. like that's not great wow yeah but as you said on the on the bright side there are these other opportunities the festivals, yes, and, festivals. The, and the smaller rooms and, and different kinds of venues and which is great and you create your own opportunities and at the same time i just want to acknowledge that there i think there's still a level of that the door isn't open mm-hmm. you know which it seems that yeah is prejudice or yeah. um yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's statistically unjust. Mm-hmm. So going back to to your new special, um, you've always um, been very open about your issues around mental health, and you talk about it in your new special that you actually have been doing, you know, and yeah, feeling doing, a lot better yeah, in the last yeah, yes, few years. Yes. Um, you know, and you you're married now, and you yeah. have this stable relationship. Yes. Um, and so how you know how has that affected your output or or um, how do you kind of think about that in terms of how uh, how that's changed? You know what you're what you're able to do. Well, it's been awesome because he is also a, he's a painter, he's an artist, mm-hmm. and then also he's super funny. So he's really inspired me in in many many different ways. I think also that thing of where does the ambition go? It's like oh, I could just go home and have mm-hmm. a nice snuggle with my my <laughs> husband and my two dogs. Well, what am I what am I doing in here in Koreatown trying to find a <laughs> A parking space at 10 p.m. It also, I think, brings down sort of that pressure of like of having to get better or somehow fill mm-hmm. this endless hole of of uh, Terminator like productivity. Mm-hmm. You know, like does it, it it might not matter mm-hmm. in the end. Uh, yeah. And uh, so that's that's uh, 
that's nice to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of the the mental health stuff, I did want to touch on your uh, you're you're doing a, a sort of t- uh, internet talk show. Uh, yes. What's yes. your ailment? Yes. What's your ailment? Uh, for topic, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so, how did that come about, and why did why was that something that you wanted to do? Well, I thought it would be fun to interview uh, other people who are open to talking about their experience, and and topic came came up with the idea for the show, mm-hmm. and um, it just sounded like it was something I could do and be fun and I've never interviewed people before yeah. uh, it turns out if you watch the show uh, you'll see uh, how I have difficult time making eye contact <laughs> with people and I kind of squinch up my face and kind of stare off anyways it's hilarious <laughs> in that way and um, uh, so that yeah it was really nice to hear uh, the stories of other people and I hope I hope it's helpful to I like to joke that it's it's the least helpful form of health care you could get <laughs> if you only have two ninety nine. why not watch a talk show yeah is it better than the free clinic I don't know yeah <laughs> it's different <laughs> it's different it's different maybe more entertaining than the free maybe clinic. more entertaining than the free or something to watch while you're waiting at the oh, free yeah. clinic there you go combo uh combo platter um yeah because I I, I I think that is one of my arguments I like to tell myself is that it's it's better to get any help than mm. even if it's super shitty. Like yeah. it's better just just go, just yeah. go get whatever they have on offer that's in your zip code mm-hmm. and and even if it's really terrible, um, you ha- that's going to be some great stories mm-hmm. uh, eventually. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I had because I have this intrusive thoughts OCD thing, so. I had a therapist say that she had to call, she might have to call the police mm. um, or um, after I told her what my yeah. intrusive thoughts were. And I was like, huh, okay. You know, I mean, not that, anyways. Yeah. It, it, uh, it's not what you want to hear. It wasn't exactly what I want to hear. But and maybe, and maybe sometimes people do have to call the police and mm-hmm. that's fine too. But uh, hilarious in retrospect and then I'm like, no. If you knew about what this OCD is, I'm actually the least likely person Mm -hmm. to do. I sit on my hands all day because I don't want to do anything. Uh So do anything awful. But yeah, what else have I had? Oh, yeah, I had the, which is in the special, how I I got on BetterHelp.com because I thought, oh, yeah, I'm on the road. So I thought maybe that would be easier to have someone who I could text all the time. Yeah. And then um, the like one of the second times she texted me, the therapist said, Christine, of course you're stressed. You just had a baby. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. The ther- I mean, the one thing that's good yeah. about therapy is that they are focused on, yeah, on you on you for two seconds. And it's like, no, she's toggling yeah. seven phones. Yeah. Like she's <laughs> didn't didn't make you uh, didn't give you a lot of confidence. <laughs> But it was still kind of helpful. Yeah. It was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Christine is stressed. Of course. <laughs> of course she's stressed. She just had a fucking baby. Well, that, I'm, I'm, I mean, I kind of just had a baby, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like Christine. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of these themes also obviously showed up in uh, your your Netflix show, uh, Lady Dynamite, yes. which I quite loved. Um, uh, and uh, it was ran for two seasons, and you know was was sadly uh, didn't didn't go beyond that. But I I wonder how you felt about it because I know you you talked about how difficult it was in a lot of ways and and overwhelming in some ways. So did you when you how did you find out that that it wasn't going to continue? And then how did you how did you feel about it? Uh, well, I think I want to say that Pam Brady and Mitch Hurwitz called me, mm-hmm. and they said, Marie, do you have a second? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, 
I think you can feel sad. I felt sad that that it was over on some level. It just in the fact of like wanting to be needed, you mm-hmm. know, wanting. Oh God, we gotta have that show back. Yeah. you know, like yeah. even if you didn't. <laughs> yeah, even if, you didn't even if I didn't want it, it, it was like oh, the, the to 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 want to be wanted. Yeah, um, definitely. But um, it it was. I am on some certain uh, psychiatric meds that uh, make me really tired. Mm-hmm. So uh, 12 to 16 to 18 hour days aren't uh, it, it, like doing the show was at the far edge of my abilities. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, uh, yeah. So, which is so hilarious because it's like your dream comes true and then suddenly yeah. I'm too tired to do it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I think you did achieve something really special with the show in the two seasons. Mm. Um, and it's just, it's so innovative and different and um, and hilarious oh. and, and captures something I think, you know, as someone on the outside, you know, it seems to capture the rhythms of it really capture something about the, you know, your life and what you've gone through and and. Um, and all that, so I think I think that's that's it's an incredible achievement in that oh, sense. Oh, oh, thanks. Yeah, no, no. I, and you must have had enough. some pretty fervent fans. Uh, yes, yeah. It's it's been it. wonderful. Yeah, no, it was and it was really a wonderful experience. Uh, uh, just so many lovely people. I, I, it was an unbelievable dream come true. And, um, um, yeah, I, I, I yeah. Everything's happened for me that I've ever wanted mm-hmm. and beyond, and uh, so uh, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> so what I want to do now is um, run through a few other of your uh, credits from your career that we didn't get to talk about oh. yet, and see if there's a sort of memory or, or story that jumps out uh, okay, to you. Hopefully. Yeah. So um, the the first one is your your late night stand up debut, which I believe you can correct me if I'm wrong was on Conan yes. in 1999. Yes. Yes. Um, so what do you remember about that? Well, the one thing I remember, and this may be for, uh, I just always want to tell people who, you know, it was, it was a dream come true to, of course, be on, on the television. Uh, I don't know why I should say, of course, <laughs> people don't have that dream. But I felt so terrified and scared for the two weeks coming up. I felt like sick and like, and not like it was going to be okay. Not mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm just nervous. Like I felt like it might not go well like that. I felt that the whole time I felt so scared. And while they're, you know, they put you in hair and makeup and um, I was shaking so badly that the woman's like, are you going to be okay? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and could go either way. Could go either way. And the one thing I, I told myself is like, even if I bomb, like, or it's, it's like ridiculous how terribly I do, um, you know, like a, uh, I, I'm barely able to say a word and then I just run off. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe that'll inspire someone like, <laughs> like, oh, Jesus, she can do that. Like, like, I don't know. I tried to create some sort of um, false engine of meaning yeah, yeah. within myself of yeah. like, I'm doing something meaningful. Yeah, even if the worst possible thing, thing happens. I'm being useful. And uh, that, that's, that's that what I need. Through it. I got me through it. Yeah. And, um, and then it turned out beautifully and, um, but I was so surprised that something that I had dreamed of would feel so terrifying and unbearable mm, at the time. Like, yeah. I just was like, I, I just found that so uh, surprising. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, my name is Maria, and um, I'm originally from Duluth, Minnesota. Duluth in the house, oh yeah! <laughs> 
um, my mother told me uh, before I went to my first girl boy party in the eighth grade, she said, Maria, remember what we talked about? Gonorrhea, syphilis, herpes, one, two, watch the cold sores. Date rape is a lot more common than people think. You look so gorgeous. You were conceived in Groton, Connecticut in one night in a campsite. I am not saying you weren't planned. I'm just saying Bamfords get pregnant like falling off logs. Oh, Jenny's mom's here to pick you up. Will he have a good time? <laughs> Has it gotten any easier to perform stand-up on TV? Yes, yes, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, but it is, it, that was that was so, it made me realize just, uh, you know, my expectations are, are very, mm-hmm. uh, that I never th- thought that the dream job would be kind of like a regular job, mm-hmm. where, because I would have secretarial jobs and I'd be scared to show up because I'd be scared like, oh, I don't know how the phone works and I'm in this big conference room and what if, you know, somebody yells at me and uh, I felt that nerves for for, uh, office jobs and then to have it in this thing where it's like I'm lucky to have it. Mm -hmm. And that's also a weird thing where it's like you're you're having this peak experience that you're lucky to have. And then how do you share that with other people? Like, I don't feel good. And yeah. they're like, you lucky asshole, yeah. shut <laughs> yeah, up. I'm grateful. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, if you're ever in that position, if you're about to receive, uh, get your first whatever Academy Award uh, and you feel terrible, just know you're not alone. <laughs> Um, one thing that I had no idea you had done until I saw it on your IMDb page was writing for the Martin Short show. Yes. How did that come about and what was that like? Well, I think it was one of those show business things where somebody said I was, you know, uh, a new thing mm-hmm. and they were trying to get a writing room together. And so I wrote, you know, they had me in mm-hmm. Uh and it was a group. I was the only woman, mm-hmm. and um, I'm not very good in groups. So I think <laughs> it was also a lot younger yeah. and was not not good at um, holding my own mm-hmm. or, or speaking up. Oh my goodness! And uh, Martin Short's brother was the head writer, and uh, <laughs> he was. I was. I would hand him my my scripts, and they would come back. Uh, with red all over them, like, not funny, big question mark, <laughs> don't get it. Oh. And um, so I think I want to say about five weeks in, I got fired. Mm. And I'm sure I was awkward and a weirdo and, you know, desperately trying to fit, fit in. And somebody told me later that they were, that one of the other writers said, oh, it's, I didn't want to tell you this while you were working there, but one of the people there would do impersonations of you whenever you would leave the room. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but... Did you have you know. much interaction with Martin Short? No, and he, he uh, not too much. And yeah. he seemed like a rainbow of energy, just yeah. a lovely person and extremely professional and energetic. And yeah, everybody was doing the best best they could. And uh, I, I think I, I did get to I I did get one joke in, and mm-hmm. that was a wonderful feeling to get. Yeah. Like a, I think he he was doing an award show, and I got it, I wrote one of the jokes, and mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, oh my god. <laughs> so that was. That but it was, didn't make you want to be in writers' rooms uh, for the no, rest of your career. I, I, I think I don't want to fight for mm. my own uh, vision. Yeah. I just go. Eh. I even my, on my own show. Yeah. I spent a few days in the writers' room, and where it's like, yeah, you have to work it out with everybody. Mm. I just thought, you know, I get 
too um, upset and emotional on things that now I can't even remember. Mm-hmm. So it's like, just let it go. Yeah. Just just enjoy enjoy memorizing the lines. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> <laughs> let them do the work and I'll, let them I'll, say do the, I'll say the words. The excruciatingly, it's such, it's yeah. really hard. It's like math putting mm-hmm. scripts together. Yeah. And so uh, I was so happy that uh, there was a lovely group of coconuts who would do it. Mm-hmm. One performance of yours that I really enjoyed was on Louis, uh, oh, Louis yeah, C.K.'s yeah, yeah, yeah. show. Um, I thought that was just a really great performance, acting performance that you oh, gave. Oh, thanks. Hello? Hi. Uh, so listen, either you gave me the crabs or I gave you the crabs. But anyway, I have the crabs and you were inside me last week, so you got crabs too. Uh, so. Jesus. You didn't feel itchy? Yeah, but I thought it... I thought it was laundry detergent. No. Crabs. Uh, so... you or... Sorry. I, I don't know which one. Obviously, it has some complications, you know, now in... in with Louis C.K. So I'm kind of... I'm just wondering what... How you think about that, or do you think about it any differently now um, compared to, you know, when you were when you were doing it? Well, I, th- I want to say a couple months before all the the news came out uh, with, you mm-hmm. know, real factual evidence, you know, uh, people coming forward. I had worked with him. I opened, opened for him when he was at, uh, it's the, the Chinese, whatever the theater is at, on Hollywood Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And it was grateful. I, yeah. I love to make money. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and he is, you know, was a, a great you know, performer, comedian. And um, I had heard of those allegations, but I, I couldn't find any, like anyone who said, oh, th- this is what happened. This. Yeah. So I thought there were rumors. Now, of course, I go, even if there's rumors, just don't do it. Yeah. Just don't. Or or inquire, yeah. like get in there, which I, I feel ashamed that I, I didn't um, get into it out of, I think, greed. Greed mm-hmm. and... Um, yeah, or yeah. maybe even partly not wanting to believe it because he was someone that you had yeah. worked with and knew, right? Yeah, yeah. You think, oh, I, I hope I hope for that. But, um, yeah, it is always, uh, and and I guess I, I don't, yeah, it's just so sad. sad. You mm-hmm. just feel sad. Um, and I, I think there is room for, um, like, the, the one thing I, I, well, I love it about comedy is that you can truly be yourself and not the be unapologetic, but like, I, I, I wish there was, I, I really, in some of the apologies, of course, that had come out after those things, I just go, oh, I think, yeah, I just, I wish it was more just because I, I felt so sad just because when you know that not only is it it's difficult to get a job in the entertainment industry, but that if for a woman who looks up to you and then to treat somebody that way who's a colleague mm-hmm. is just so depressing. Yeah. That's so heartbreaking. I believe those things are an, an illness, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't want to like, you know, say that I'm, I heard the best. Oh my gosh. Joke at the Montreal Comedy Festival is a new face guy and I cannot remember his name, but it was a really a lovely joke. He said, uh, his first one said was, uh, I'm a, I'm a registered sex offender. Um, the only thing better or worse than a registered sex offender is an unregistered sex offender. <laughs> 
least you guys know where I'm at. I'm up here, hands up high. <laughs> Registered. <laughs> Registered. <laughs> you can look it up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I appreciate, like, yeah. I can appreciate that kind of, like, name it. You yeah. know. I also Say, do think. I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, thoughts on both sides about. Louis making this, you know, comeback. He's going on tour. He's mm. being booked at comedy clubs, and but I, I do wonder sometimes if he was addressing what happened in a more honest or way, would that make a difference? I, I think I think it would definitely make it make a difference, and I, I, I don't know, uh, and I think also a very uh, public financial amends to those women and whatever mm-hmm. they chose to do with the financial amends. But it is easy to judge another human being. Mm-hmm. It is very easy to judge another yeah. human being. I believe like safety in the workplace. Like I, I've been disappointed. Like, hey, if somebody is an unregistered sex offender, mm-hmm. hey, let's make sure the workplace is safe because nobody said they're never going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I would say to assume somebody's going to do it again, mm-hmm. you know, that especially if they're not maybe not getting help or there isn't any acknowledge of getting help. Yeah. Like just and I know that because I, I feel like I'm an addict. Uh, I at least yeah, that's I think my own personal thing being mm-hmm. looked at. I go, oh, I unless unless you're getting some kind of help, I, I would be worried that it is going to happen again. Not like, oh, you're a bad person or you didn't mean it that you were never going to do it again. But mm-hmm. yeah, let's set up a workplace environment where everybody's taken care of and and, and safe. So because I think in the entertainment industry or well, maybe in every but there's just there's less of a way you can complain. Mm-hmm. Like, so on a lighter note, I just want to end with um, we ask every comedian yes. who is a person that you've worked with that, that makes you laugh the hardest. Oh, my gosh. Um Miss Jackie Cation, my friend Jackie Cation, JackieCation.com, at Jackie Cation. She's the best. She's so fun. She's my friend. Um, Thank you so much for having me on this. I know we've been cut short. Yeah. No, it's okay. Thank you. Uh, Thank you you so much for being here. And I'm I'm just uh, such a big fan of yours. And um, so it's just a real pleasure to get to talk to you today. Well, much much respect. Much respect. (laughs) All right. That was me with Maria Bamford from 2020. Her new book, Sure, I'll Join Your Cult, a memoir of mental illness and the quest to belong anywhere, is available now wherever you get your books. And we'll put a link to it in the description for this episode as well. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram and threads where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acash for The Daily Beast with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude. You can find on Instagram at Claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you very soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.